0: a better way to do this let me show you a better way you don't have to be another face in the crowd you don't have to live and we are live and once again if you guys have been noticing this week i have uh had to do something technical, right? About the time we started, uh, the 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 stream for Twitter has failed. Elon, what's up, bro? Fix it, man. Um, yesterday I did a re a resync with the connection. Today I will remove it, so that's why I haven't been streaming on Twitter. Anyway, we are on YouTube. We are on Facebook. We are on um we're on Bitcoin Breakout YouTube. That wasn't planned. We'll just leave it there. We're on Float and Odyssey. Of course, most of you guys check in from YouTube, uh, and we are on Twitch as always. So uh, I just want to remind you guys straight out of the gate here, especially if you're watching this video in the future after the live is done, just because you see my logo or something like that, down below doesn't mean it's me. In fact, it probably isn't if I'm asking you for any information or, hey, let's connect on WhatsApp or some crap like that. and I, That's all my social media. There's so many people out there that are um, – well, they're just scum and they're seeking to scam you and they try to use trusted people to get in touch with you and pretend to be them. So if you want to get in touch with me, do that by email. If you can't figure my email out, I'll probably say it during the show, but if you can't figure my email out, I, you probably don't qualify to communicate because it's pretty simple. It's called the survival podcast.com and my name is Jack. It's not hard to figure out. Anyway, um, what do we got today? This is a fire and brimstone episode. If somebody turned you on to this and you're like, who is this crazy conspiracy theorist guy? I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Uh-huh. I am a guy that just pays attention to what's going on. And if this isn't your cup of tea, go dig through because we talk about everything, self-sufficiency, self-reliance, uh, independence and personal liberty here at the Survival Podcast. And I only do shows like this because sometimes we really need to and because my audience tends to enjoy them. So what do we got today? Well, We're going to start out with something that doesn't seem like it's linked to the rest of the stuff in the lineup, but I assure you it most certainly is. Uh, Over the last 50 years, sperm counts have dropped 62%, and uh, there's more than that going on. But there is a, a massive decline in our ability to reproduce, and I'm not one of these people that's like, hey, we should all have 47 kids or something like that. But when you build a society the way we have, based on, social programs that exist as a Ponzi, and your reproduction starts going down, it creates problems that we are not prepared to deal with. A problems we're not prepared to deal with today, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, layoffs are coming hard. I'll tell you who just did layoffs before Christmas that is not generally something that you would expect to see or anything I've ever seen before. And I'll tell you about the layoffs that I've been forecasting for a while and exactly what I said at the fall workshop to everybody that was there over and over again. And then boom, this hits just almost like I actually know what I'm talking about or something. Then Texas has invoked the invasion clause. Um, is that like a new Santa Claus movie? The invasion clause. Now, um, Greg Abbott, Texas's governor, has invoked the, in- the invasion clause, which gives the state power to do certain things with regard to people crossing our border that normally would be only under the purview of the federal government on many, many angles. You could look at this and say, this is another Abbott publicity stunt. There's another angle here though. And we'll talk about that today. And then I said, there would be a red wave. I really thought there would be a red wave. There was a red ripple, a red ripple. What happened a little bit on that, but I'm also going to talk more about the fact that the house is going to the Republicans and, Deep, 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 the ass clown circus is fixing to go into full on full uh, tilt mode. Don't um, <clears throat> we'll get back into this fire of brimstone. Food shortages are not going away, but you probably won't starve. The United States anyway. Might go broke, though. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about some of the lies because, you know, they tell lies. The lies that the media is telling you about bird flu. The bird killed, killed. Millions of birds. No, people killed millions of birds because they reacted to the bird flu like we reacted to the chestnut blight. Just cut them all down. That'll save them. Um, almost like it's planned or something. And we have the fuel shortage. It's a little better. Still sucks. It's exactly what Nicole, John, and I told you a couple of weeks ago would happen. We had 24 days left of diesel fuel. Now we have 26 days. Two weeks later, what's going on? Yeah, we actually keep making it. But the, the headline I have for you today will not exactly fill you with confidence. But we'll hold off on what it is. Real estate is heading straight into the sugar. I'm not even killing, killing, kidding. Um, do you know that like almost 40% of real estate agents couldn't pay their own mortgage or rent last month? That's not a good sign now, is it children? No. Uh, next up, we have, uh, the Federal Reserve wants you fired and says you can't have a race. I'm not kidding. They hate you. They are your enemy. And then I'm going to say just a little bit at the end about self-custody of Bitcoin. Uh, think of it like Bob Barker. Yeah, I can find the Bitcoin discussions to the Tuesday Bitcoin breakouts for those of you not into it. But Bob used to say at the end of every price is right, spay and new to your pets. It was an important message. It'll be kind of something like that. Um, anyway, before we do that, let's go ahead and hear from our sponsors of the day. Uh, sponsor day number one today is Nicole Sauce. And I'll tell you what, this is something I really think you're going to want to know about. And you only have a couple of days to sign up for it. Uh, November the 19th at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, Nicole and John uh, Bush will be putting on together the Power Pantry Workshop. This is an awesome webinar. It's four hours long. It goes through Nicole's complete Uh, program for turning your pantry into a grocery store in your own house it's got a lot of additional bonuses built into it it's hundreds of dollars in value this one is not free 97 bucks and you know if nicole's going to put her name on it it's going to be rock solid there's links in the video notes below or later on when the audio goes up there'll be tons of links over there for you guys additionally those of you listening to the audio only just go look up episode 3201, and you can sign up for that workshop. You can sign up for it if if it hasn't yet expired, because you only got two days to sign up for it, again, because this goes off on the 19th. Here's all the bonuses you get, just awesome, definitely something that you want to check out. Sponsor day number two today, not really a sponsor, just something I want you to know about. I've been telling you for a long time now, if you don't use the fold card, you hate money, because you're going to spend the money you're going to spend anyway, Right? Then you're going to get Bitcoin back. And Fold just got better. They are now allowing you to buy Bitcoin on Fold. I bought 50 bucks worth to see how the process works. It went right through. It was super easy. Not available for withdrawal yet, though. It says it's pending. So I have a question into them about exactly how long that is and some advice, like tell people before they buy so you don't have Russell Jimmies everywhere. But on on the Bitcoin back, man, it's just the way to go. And right now, if you go to thebitcoinbreakout.com forward slash fold, you'll get on this page right here that I'm showing you. Use this link to sign up. You'll get 20,000 free sats, 20,000 free sats the day you sign up. I don't even know why you wouldn't get the fold card when you can get 20,000 free sats just for signing up and start making money based Based on spending money, you were going to spend anyway. I think that's awesome. And I think you should totally do it. So what do we got up on the docket for us today? Again, we're going to start off. And I said, this is almost like a, uh, today's entire show is almost like a bad Hank Williams Jr. parody song, right? The, the interest is up and the sperm counts down and you're going to get laid off if you work downtown. You're gonna see by the time this is over with, I'm not stretching it when I say that. But, but here's what prompted today's lead story was the story out of Israel. And this might be one of those things that you don't really get how big a deal this is. And it's, it's so much bigger than, well, we have enough people. It's, it, it's such a, such a minor thing. The average male's sperm count rectified for age has declined by 62% over 50 years, a little more than 1% per year. And if you go in and look at the underlying data like I did, you'd see that decline, like it accelerates in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. So most of the loss isn't in the first 10 to 20 years. Most of the loss is in the last 20. And that would make a lot of sense with the way that we're eating, microplastics, other things like that. I also think, and I know people think this is where they think I'm a conspiracy theorist. The goal of the people that run the planet is for there to be less of you. You are the carbon that they want to reduce. And if you're in a place where you want to reduce population, you can look at, let's look at it like a company that we need to get rid of some workers in. There's a couple different ways we can reduce our worker headcount. If we have an aging worker population, right, and we're going to have a certain number every year that are just going to retire, and if we make the work environment for certain people a little inhospitable they may go seek their fortunes elsewhere and then we could just have what we call a hiring freeze so we let attrition happen and we only replace people that leave that we absolutely have to replace right we we just go okay that guy was key we need someone that can do that and there's not someone internally and we make an exception to the hiring freeze to fill that back in and if you're a big company you can easily get by with a 5 to 10% reduction in worker load over a year or two without actually firing anybody. And firing people is nasty business, right? And if you throw something in there like a little bit of incentive, like we're offering early retirement for people that have been here X number of years, we're offering severance for people under certain conditions, well, then you can accelerate that, right? And so that's a cleaner way for a company, if they have the time and the ability and the logistical wherewithal to do it, and it's often done. We're going to reduce worker headcount, but not take away anybody's jobs. It doesn't completely kill morale. And the people we push out the door are usually the ones that, you know, you might have a little cake for them and say, bye. And as soon as they leave, you're like, bye. They're that people. But what do you do when you have a population of like 8 billion people in the world? And you want to reduce it. Well, if you look at the most horrific modern example of this, it would be what? It would be what the Nazis did in World War II. That's what it would be. And, you know, it killed six, ten million people somewhere in there. There's debates about how many, but it was millions of people. And at the same time this was going on, what else was going on? Bombs going off everywhere. Warfare. People starving. People dying of diseases. The, the most modern war of the time. Millions and millions and millions of people died. Have you ever actually looked at a population of the world map going through World War II? For all that death, it's barely a divot. It didn't really do much to change the population curve. It's not enough people. It was a big mess. So if you actually want there to be less people, let's say, 50 years from now, the easy way to do it is to reduce reproduction. And again, I know you may think I'm a conspiracy theorist when I say this, but... Wouldn't convincing children that they don't really, they're not really the sex that they are, so they have some sort of sex change, actually aid that agenda? Wouldn't prescribing medications, whether they're swallowed, injected, inhaled, whatever, that reduce fertility rates, aid that? You, you, you see the problem, like if if having a much smaller population on the planet, and the death and destruction of World War II didn't get you the population reduction you might have wanted then today you're going to need to use a variety of methods to reduce the reproductive capacity of people. And I don't have the source in today's show notes, but you might be thinking, well, Jack, again, you're always saying this, but we've known there's a re- reduction in population and replacement population in the Western world, specifically Europe and North America for a long time. But the developing world, the, the replacement number of two kids per woman, is dead in the Philippines, folks. That just popped up on the radar today. The reason it's not in the notes is it it showed up after uh, I had the notes all done for today. But there's a bigger issue here, and if you read the article from the Times of Israel that I've used as my source, they pay mention to it. Sperm count in men is a leading health indicator. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, if... The average man is supposed to have, we'll just make a number up, a sperm factor of a thousand. That's what the average man is supposed to have at the age of 25. So we, you know, we rectify it for age and the average man has a sperm count of 450, which would be about what this says at the age of 25. Something's wrong. Something's wrong in the overall health of that man. And I guarantee you, if we correlate it with a drop in testosterone that makes men actually act like freaking men, stand up and not be passive, I bet that number kind of, we'll find some correlation between the drop of that. We know that number's down too. Now, why would you want to do this? Well, one, one reason would be you want less people. But what do I keep saying the overall writing goal is of the power elite when it comes to the masses? Domestication. They're trying to domesticate you, the way you domesticate your dog, right? I have I have a 100-pound pit mix. If that dog was a wild dog and three guys physically tried to attack that dog when he was in his prime, he would have killed all three of them in seconds, right? But he climbs up on the couch with me and I rub his belly. This is okay for a relationship between a dog and a man, right? To have that dog be domesticated, like we domesticate cattle. You can eat most cattle, you know, unless something's wrong, you can walk up to them, you can scratch them behind the ear or whatever, and they're like, whatever move, right? You can eat their buddy, and they're like, hey, I'm okay with that because you didn't eat me. Hopefully it won't beat them. They don't even know, right? Domestication. If you want to domesticate the human being, you have to do two things. One, you have to put the female into a role where she feels dominant even when she isn't and at the same time feels safe, privileged and protected. And if you don't, if you don't get that, I'll just say this. You think a male dog is dangerous? A female dog with pups or even in heat that thinks she has pups that doesn't is the one that will kill you. All right. So you have to make that inner protective woman nature of the human child, you have to weaken it to the point where maybe they don't even want children anymore. You have to put them in a pseudo-male role and at the same time, they still need to feel protected and secure so they don't kill you, right? I'm not saying you're weak. I'm just saying, women, I'm just saying there's a different trigger mechanism to cause a woman to kill you than a man in general. And then the male needs to be put into a a simp-like state underneath the female so that it will do whatever the female wants, so that it's not ostracized, even though it doesn't know to do with itself anymore, because it's not really a man anymore, and it can't act like a man anymore. Now, you do that. You do that, and you domesticate the human species. And then this ends up being a byproduct of it. You can think, I'm crazy. But those of you who are tuning in to your first one today that have been around a while, you just think about how many times this has turned out to be the case. And Eka says there's 60 likes with 173 watching. That's not enough. You guys better get some stuff. You better start hitting that like button or the Ecomouse is going to get angry. Moving on. Layoffs. When I show you this immediately, if you haven't seen it yet, you should have a little a little bit of an inhale. I'm just saying. It may be a bit hard to read on the screen that size. Let's let's take the uh But what this is, this is a tweet that I did of a article that was just published. Huge layoffs, including thousands at Amazon in FedEx in peak shipping season. So I've been saying that every major Fortune 500 company has plans to lay employees off in the next 18 months. I've been saying that since the summer, and I said the layoffs will begin as soon as the election's over in earnest. And the reason was, and it turns out it worked, and we got to partly work, because there's other reasons behind it, but we got the red Red ripple instead of the red wave. It was to hold on, because trust me, these these mega corporations, they want Brandon in charge. And it's not Brandon that's in charge, right? They want the Democrats in charge right now. They want utter chaos. They don't want anything reined in. They want free reign to pull all this shit. So, the layoffs are coming and this is a, uh, this is canary in the coal mine guys. You have Amazon, the biggest things company in the world. There is no bigger things company than Amazon, right? It doesn't exist. Biggest, when you think, if I say I bought something online, you have to guess where I bought it from and you don't have any other information. Your, your odds are best if you just say you probably bought it from Amazon. Right? You got we're a couple weeks out from Thanksgiving, week and a half now. Get your turkey ready. We're what six weeks out from Christmas. This is the time if you're in retail and you're in shipping. Now there's an interesting thing. Amazon laid people says you're getting laid off, but you got two months to leave or find another job internally. In other words, they're holding their people. Long enough to get through this if you're, if you'll stay when you know you're fired. Hmm. You might stay when you know you're fired because Christmas is coming and you gotta pay the bills and it's gonna suck to you lose your job in January, but it suck more to lose it right now. And so it was a safe way to get ahead of the curve. I don't care what they're doing. When you have Amazon laying people off a month and a half before Christmas, that is not a good sign. And when you have one of the biggest shipping companies on the planet, FedEx, laying people off. Now somebody said, yeah, but you know, FedEx lost their, their contract with Amazon. Oh, I'm sure that's part of it, but not everything comes from Amazon. And by the way, D- D- Dead Rider saying UPS cut hours. So you have UPS cutting hours, FedEx cutting jobs, Amazon cutting jobs before Christmas. And if you start looking, it will start to shock you how many places have announced layoffs. I'm going to hold off on exactly what's going on with that till later in the show, because there's a reason this is happening. And it's not the reason as always that your TV will tell you it is because we're going through a recession, if not a depression, but the why is, is something that people right now largely just do not understand. So let's move on to something else. Texas has invoked the invasion clause. It, it almost sounds like, like, remember, uh, Adams, the Alien and Seditions Act or something like that. It, it's, it's not that dramatic, but I, I'm seeing the potential, not that de- definitive. But the potential, the the groundwork for something else is being laid here. So let's just talk about it as it is. And then from there, we'll go to the other, the crazy jack conspiracy theory, which is, I'm going to tell you, that's pure speculation. But my speculations have a way of playing out about half the time. So Abbott invoked the Constitutional Invasion Clause amid the immigration crisis. This is a legitimate thing that a governor can do. It is both in the United States Constitution and the Texas Constitution. It gives the governor and the executive branch within the state the power to do with things that normally are reserved only to the federal government. And it also gives the, uh, the, the, the executive branch the authority to use the, the law enforcement components to make that happen, be they National Guard, be they Texas DPS, et cetera. That's what Abbott says he's doing. Um this was announced after the election. Interesting. And Abbott has a uh what's the word I'm looking a habit, a track record of doing things that look far more aggressive, authoritarian, impactful than they end up being. Like really he really does. He has this this kind of habit are going to do all this, and it ends up being, you know, we're going to bust all the illegal aliens to Washington and Martha's Vineyard or whatever, and, you know, they send a couple hundred a week or something like that. And and I'm not choosing one side or the other on that. I'm just saying he has a habit of making it sound like it's bigger than it is. When you look at what he's going to do under the invasion clause, it isn't much different than what he's already been doing, because what they're going to do is they're going to apprehend the illegal immigrants coming across the border, and then take them to the border checkpoints where they can apply for asylum legally. He's not deporting them. And he's not really doing much, at least that he's saying, that is going to keep them on the other side of the border, right? He's just basically going to do what they've been doing, but more of it and talk about doing it. But there's there's something else at play here that at least has a potential. By the end of the day, by the, uh, to the end of the day. By the end of this episode, you're going to be like, shit's really getting bad. This country's in for some hard times. Many of you who have always felt that way, you're like, oh, but this is worse. And, guys, I'm only really scratching the surface. The, today's show is called The Bloodletting is Beginning, and it should be The Bloodletting le- is Only Just Barely Beginning. It's just too long for a title. We have some bad shit coming. We also have some people who have completely lost their freaking minds. They have gone over to the side of complete and total lunacy, and many of those people are now in charge. We have no idea what the next two years will bring, though it will probably be a pretty interesting ass clown circus. We have people in our media trying to drag us into war. I don't have a bullet point in the agenda for this, but... Here's an example. A couple days ago, it was reported by every major news outlet, every major news outlet, that what happened? The Russians shot two missiles at this random town in Poland, and we have to have Article 5 of NATO in World War Three, Necessary. Let's go do this. Let's kill them. Now, they didn't quite say it that way, but it's pretty much what they said. They absolutely – oh, this is funny. A little side here. John Rice said Elon hired a few of the fired people back. Uh, if you're referring to Ligma and Johnson, you need to dig into that little joke there. Anyway, so it was reported that it was definitive. Russia did it. Russia, this is and two people died in Poland. Russia did it. No one even stopped for a second and said, Hey, wait a minute. Why would Russia launch two missiles at this non-strategic place in rural Poland to kill, to kill a couple random people? Risking World War Three, nobody even asked. And if you did ask that question, because I did, you were told to shut up, Putin apologist, all the other shit. So I figured out from reporting and sources about four hours into this that the, the missile wreckage found were Ukrainian anti-aircraft missile parts. That probably there was like this air battle going on, and the Ukrainian missiles ended up going off track or whatever, landing in Poland. And it's also possible, because we don't know yet, that it was like a Ukrainian missile and a Russian missile, and pff, right? So one's going after the other, and they both go down in the wrong place. So it could have been one of each. But we, we know that there was Ukrainian anti-aircraft wreckage, anti-aircraft missile wreckage, that was Ukrainian missiles that at least partially were possible for the damage. So I put this out midday, what, two days ago. The next day... 19 hours later, CBS News says, breaking, breaking. The missiles were actually, you know, anti-aircraft Ukrainian missiles. Oh, wow, breaking. Good on you. You got to start thinking, remember we started with this, Abbott and the invasion clause. This is our media today. We have the media reporting as though it's an absolute fact. And if you say anything that questions it, you're attacked. We have people that really think it's okay to cut the breasts off a 12-year-old girl for gender-affirming affirming surgery. We have people that have lost their minds all around, and many of them are in positions of power. I think it's reasonable that a state like Texas might just start creating its own Plan B passport. And yes, I'm talking about secession. Do I think it's highly likely? No. But do I think this might be playing into, hey, you know what? If everything really goes sideways hard, maybe we need to have an escape clause. Maybe we need to have something in place. And starting to lay the groundwork of asserting the state's border sovereignty is one way that you might do that. And I think there's a – I think there's two camps of people that live outside of Texas – And both of them don't understand the reality on the ground here. I think there's one camp that thinks Texans are like, let's just succeed right now, damn it. Like if you held a vote, it would be 85% tomorrow. That's not the case. And there's another side that thinks it's only a, a, a tiny portion of Texans who think this way. If you live here and you just have random conversations with people, I'm telling you that A huge number of people in this state that aren't like, let's just do it, are totally open to the possibility. And I bet you it's 10 to 1 over any other state in the country. If you went into Pennsylvania or Georgia or even Florida or California and started actually talking about this, even if the person was like, yeah, maybe we should. Like as soon as they realized you were serious, they'd be like, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute here. Wait a minute. Texans are just different. And I think there's a lot of the country that's kind of fed up with this other part of the country telling them they ha- how they have to live. But if you're going to be dragged into things that we don't want to be part of, and we have enough resources to not need you, because the reality is that the country takes more from Texas than Texas gets back, period. There isn't anything that Texas needs that it can not either produce for itself or buy from someone other than the United States. It might be tough in a certain few areas and whatnot, but, and there's no reason we couldn't have commerce with the United States after this was over. Cause you kind of want to do business with a, with a nation with 30 million people in it. That's right on your border. So I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm just saying keep an eye on Texas laying the groundwork to move forward with this if necessary what would be if necessary well you have a brain damaged senator and a brain damaged president catalyzing the united states into a war while we're in the middle of a depression and we don't want to be part of it that would just be one there's a lot of reasons there's a lot of reasons that things could head this way and i'm telling you the other side of it there's more undertone of it than there's ever been and i've been here a long time i've been here since 1993 and I've never heard more local kind of rumblings about maybe we just don't need to be part of this anymore. And I'm not talking about just my good old friends and shit. I'm talking about when I go out and about and I just kind of have my ears open and I listen to the conversations around me at a restaurant or a bar. I'm talking about it like that. And even if nothing comes of it, when you start to see this. When, when you, when you start to see this happening, it is a bellwether for the direction of the country. On that, there's been a lot of talk about food shortages. A lot of people in this space have told you, you're going to starve you to death by January. You won't have any food. And I've said, no, 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 but there are going to be food shortages and it's going to re- result in an increased cost. And some of it is orchestrated. The article I have up for those in the video right now, five food shortages that will impact your wallet this holiday season. Um, I'm going to skip their BS here, but here's what they say we're going to be in short supply on. Wheat, it's all because of the war in Ukraine. United States is the breadbasket of the world, but it's all because of the war in Ukraine that we're going to have a wheat shortage in the United States. Yeah, okay. The, I First of all, most of the wheat production in Ukraine has continued onward. There's not a lot of shortage of that. And there's no problem getting wheat out of the the uh, the west side side of the country. So that's bullshit. Um but wheat is kind of an important lettuce, lettuce shortage. How the hell could there be a lettuce is about four hundred percent? Maybe some of you guys really do need to start those little hydro and aquaponic systems or soil-based systems growing salad greens for your neighbors because Four hundred percent lettuce was expensive two years ago, three years ago, four years ago. It's the highest dollar crop you can grow. They don't really give a good explanation except for there's a labor shortage, which don't worry, (laughs) we're fixing we're fixing to fix that. Butter, butter is because we are ten percent down month over month. They don't really give a good explanation of that except well. You know what? They don't really want us eating animal parts, any animal things anymore, do they? Eggs. This is a, this is a, the avian flu. Cured near record levels of chickens and turkeys in the U.S. this year. Reuters reported lowering egg production, pushing up prices in grocery stores. Um, can I just say bullshit? Can I, friends and neighbors, is it okay if I say bullshit here? Do you feel me when I say bullshit about the reason we have a shortage of eggs? It's because of bird flu. Who here believes that? Who here believes that millions of chickens were sitting there popping eggs out of their ass, did a chicken sneeze, and fell over and died? Who believes that? Because if you believe that, I I, 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 I don't know why you're here, right? You probably have had 47 jabs by now, and you're still wearing a mask if you believe that. Anybody want to tell me what they think killed millions of chickens this year before I say it? Because the next item on the list, I'll skip ahead to the next item on the list while I give you guys time to say it, is turkeys, right? So because same reason, the turkey, you're going to pay more for your Thanksgiving turkey because the bird flu killed all the turkeys just like it killed all the chicken. Who believes it? Tom says government. Just as COVID, no, bro. Um, Smoz says the government. Katie says the government. Where's Tom? I lost Tom. Tom says the government, right? USDA, that's the government. I'll give that a A, a plus answer. Right? Oh, like the random dude in Wuhan laying on the sidewalk dead. Yeah, yeah. Right? Killed, fearing government. The state asked them, but actually it was the farmers. That is an A plus answer from Cynthia. So the media will relentlessly report this. They will relentlessly report that the bird flu killed the birds. What actually happened is if they tested a bird and it tested positive, right? We all know how that can work out. If if they tested positive, they said, hey, you got to kill every bird in this birdhouse. Um. As though that made any sense whatsoever, right? As though that made any sense, that we will save the birds by killing all the birds. But it was worse than that. What they said was, well, this birdhouse had a bird in it It had the bird flu. So all of these around it, we need to kill all of these too to keep it from spreading to that one over there. Oh, shit, we found one over here. too. kill them next. Ignoring the concept that these birds are capable of actually recovering from this illness And if you allowed it to happen, then what you would end up with is birds with resistance to this illness, right? How many people here keep birds, right? You keep birds. Just say me in the comments. And I'll keep going on this while I wait for those me's to come in. You know, I keep birds. I have about 50-something total birds. I have had birds die because Bobcat ate them this year. I have had birds die because a hawk ate them this year. I I I've had a few birds lost this year. And here come the me's. Matthew keeps birds. IO Farm Boy, Hopper, Maritimer, Shit the Fan Fitness, Jeremy, just like oh it's like 260 people listening to the live stream now, and like half of them are saying me. There's me, me, hands up, me. I want birds, right? 47 birds for Danielle roundabouts, right? Katie says, not me, but I buy from a homesteader friend. Okay, great. If you keep birds or you know somebody who keeps birds, did anybody have a bird, one bird, for no apparent reason, fall over and die from disease this year? Anybody and say, I had one die, if that's you. And it was no apparent reason or you know it was the flu. No. Yeah, me neither. Now most of you guys subscribe to like other, other homestead channels and stuff like that, right? And you follow all these people to the point where many of you even know the names of their birds, right? It almost gets personal with some of the creator relate, creator and consumer relationships, right? Has anybody seen like, you know, a guy with 50 ducks or a hundred birds or something like that on YouTube going, guys, it hit. It hit. All my birds are dying from the bird flu. No. So forgive me when I say bullshit, okay? When when the media comes out and tells us that millions of these birds died from the bird flu. And we have thousands of people. I can't even keep up with it now, right? Trying to show them on screen. Saying, yeah, I got birds. No, I didn't lose any. Are you smelling bullshit? Are you smelling chicken shit? Cause that's what these people are. They're chicken shit. Have you seen anybody in mainstream media challenge any of these pea brains? Really? Millions killed the chickens. Well, how come none of my friends that have chickens had any of their chickens die? Do we have like, a, a hemostatic bubble around our, uh, around our little farms? Do you think maybe it was just a complete incompetent or malicious or both overreaction by government? Either way, I don't buy it. And if you do, I I just don't know how you believe anything these people say. Next up, we have diesel shortage. We've been talking about this. Three weeks ago, Tucker Carlson came out and he said, what? This country only has 20, 24 days worth of diesel fuel left. That's three weeks ago. Somebody help me with my math. I'm still not completely recombobulated after doing the workshop last week, so I could be wrong. I think three times seven is 21. So I think that was about 21 days ago that we had 24 days of diesel fuel left. And the reserves right now sit at 26. Did I get the math right? So we've actually increased our reserve a little bit. And this is why I said this was being reported Buy Fox News and buy the prepper media and the alternative media in a completely yellow journalistic type of way. When you have this much reserve and you're making production, that doesn't mean you're going to run out at the end of that period. It's how much is in the battery. It's how much is in the battery. And it's normal for us to have, oh, 40 to 60 days in the battery. So being down at 24 days is not good. But, uh, running out in 20, you see how you got to be careful. And I'm giving you doom and gloom today, and I'm still telling you, be careful about these people that propagandize the opposite side. Uh, Somo here says, uh, right side propaganda, you know, and it's, it, the prepper space was just going crazy. I saw so many viral videos, you know, and the person with their face all shocked. What is it with you guys? Like all you YouTube creators, you discover Canva. And then all of a sudden, it's, oh, like, you guys can't, that are listening only can't see my face. But you know what I'm talking about. These retarded thumbnails these people come up with. You know, like, oh, my gosh, look at that. Oh, I got an idea, whatever. Anyway, you had all these retarded thumbnails. Make your pemmican now or you're going to starve to death because there's not going to be any diesel fuel. 25 days, no diesel fuel. But this doesn't. Actually make you feel good, does it? This headline that people on audio only haven't been able to read for themselves. Diesel shortage update. U.S. supply will barely make it through the winter. Don't worry, guys. It'll be fine. We're barely going to make it through. you know what barely going to make it through means? We will make it through pretty much unscathed other than shit will be really expensive unless something goes wrong. So when you say we will make it through and you use the word barely, you're inferring that nothing else will go wrong over this time period. Like, you know, we're getting late in the year, but you could still have another storm, some sort of terrorist attack. Uh, the, The war in Europe going kinetic. Poland and Germany entering the war or something like that. You know, something crazy that's never happened before, that there was a world war caused by Poland, Germany, and Russia. That never ha- – oh, wait, oof. So there's all kinds of things that could go sideways that cause that to not be the case, that we'll make it through, and then we'll just make it through me. This is the reason I think we're going to make it through. There's going to be a lot less shit moving because you just saw Amazon, FedEx, et cetera, doing layoffs. You have to ask yourself, as screwed up as the world is right now, might part of the reason that the economy is intentionally being crashed is to reduce resource consumption to create rationing without having rationing? In other words, I don't have to ration you in how much bacon you buy. If I reduce the amount of money you have and increase the cost of bacon, you'll do it yourself. It feels to me like that's what's happening right now. As I keep going, you you, you might begin to believe that might actually be the case. 80 Deuce Adventures, thank you for the $5 super chat. As always, folks, super chats are enabled if you're on YouTube and you can uh, send me one if you like the value I'm giving you right now. So the next thing I want to talk about, is real estate, and I've been talking about this for months and saying real estate's about to go into the shitter. Well, now it really is uh, really, really hard. I want to start out with this one though. It's on Yahoo Finance. 37% of real estate agents in the U.S. couldn't afford to pay their rent in October. Another bad sign for the housing market. Here's three takeaways for sellers right now. And the takeaways are you're fucked, you're fucked, and you're fucked. Like, if you bought at the wrong time and you're trying to sell right now, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt bad. So when they say rent, if you go deeper into this, they're including people that own, like real estate agents that own their home. Either they missed a mortgage payment or they missed a rent payment in October. Now, when you're in real estate, you're getting paid as sales close. So you're talking about August and September business was so bad that over a third of our real estate agents can't afford their own house. There's a lot of real estate agents in the country. That's a lot of people. Like, And then you have to ask yourself, the person that skipped a rent payment or a mortgage payment in October, whose main income is from selling houses, what are the odds that they're going to make their payment in November? And then if you look at a historically weak time for selling your house, Thanksgiving to Christmas to New Year's, who here's ever even sold a house by your own choice during that period of time? Right? Ecomouse says real estate, realtors in her neck of the woods are doing fine. You live in rural America, Ecomouse. You got out. You got out, got out, got out. You did. SOE, special operations equipment. Thank you for the $20 super chat, John. I really appreciate that. You got out and some are doing good and some are doing bad. This is definitely regional. But the overall housing market is tanking and it's tanking on purpose. And this one I have up for you here, this other article evidence builds for a painful housing recession. You you got to understand what happened to understand why this is such a terrible, terrible setup. If you plan on selling, anytime soon, and and it sucks even if you're a buyer, unless you're really cash rich. Tons of people bought houses during the nonsense of the COVID shutdown, and one of the reasons they did is interest rates were already stupid low, and they pushed them lower, below 3% in many instances, and then they sent people thousands of dollars And then some states were like, we're going to pretend that we're Nazi Germany or China. And other states were like, yeah, I don't think we're really going to do this. And then companies were like, well, since you started working from home and nothing bad happened, why don't we close this giant building and let everybody keep working from home? And then all of a sudden people got freedom and money, and they went elsewhere, and they bought houses. And then when that was going on, companies like BlackRock said, hey, we want to get in on this because they pay even less than interest than you do. And if they default, they don't even care. So they started buying houses as rental houses, sight unseen. And that drove the market up even more. And so what we've had is this massive run-up in real estate prices, the massive geographic relocation by people across the country. And then the Fed went, whoa, wait a minute. We'll talk about those bastards here in a second. And they said, this, this economy is getting way too hot. inflation's out of control. We need to rein in inflation. So they started raising the rates for the prime rate and interbank lending. How much one bank pays another bank to use their money. This directly translates into how much you pay to borrow money to buy a house. Because they are, it's all a big game of, of, of borrowing grab-ass. So now what ends up happening, Schaefer Select, thanks for the super chat, $4.99. Appreciate it. Um, now... You go out and you say, well, this house that was $300,000 begins to come down in price. It comes down to 250. And you were like, I can almost afford to buy. It. This is the house I want. This is the, and it's not this house. It's this type of house, this neighborhood, this size, you know, uh, this age, this construction type, whatever was appraising for 300. Now it's expra- appraising for 250. And you were at the edge of whether you could afford it or not. So what would you think that that person would be like, woohoo, I said 50 grand. I can definitely buy it now. I didn't want to buy the $250,000 house before because based on where I live, it's not quite the level of house I'm looking to go into. Well, right now, the $250,000 house, unless you have cash money in your pocket, which you probably don't, will cost you more than the $300,000 house would have cost you seven months ago. So the the equalization point, the number that has to come down to to get back to par, assuming you didn't lose your job, is around 35 to 40% of value. And if you don't think that can happen, you don't even understand that we went up by way more than that over the past like seven, eight years. I'm sitting in a house right now, shitty market and all if I put this house up for sale for 450 it'll be I'd have it sold by the end of the week if I put it up for 500 I might have to wait a while I might never get it but 450 it would like just go even now even now I paid 205 for it 10 years ago work those numbers out and tell me it can't it can't come down 30 40 percent from where it is right now Now, here's the thing. Do I care? I'm not going anywhere, and I can still get out with a big chunk of cash. And it's only the people that are long in their property or bought with the cheap money at the very beginning before the real upbound went that are in good shape. Everybody else is in bad shape. Everybody else is in bad shape. Really bad shape. And this is where people, well, should I buy now? Should I wait? I don't know because I don't know your personal situation. And I I, I I don't think we're going to see. Everybody keeps talking the Fed pivot, the Fed pivot, the Fed pivot. John Pugliano presented at the workshop. He said, I don't want anybody to get too scared or anything. And I thought it was going to be fire and brimstone. And I, I told people after he was done, if I gave his presentation, you'd have been on the floor in a fetal position with your thumb in your mouth, sucking your thumb, hoping it was all going to be all right. If I told you how bad I think it's going to get compared to that. But the number one thing that has him going to, like, some gloom and doom, which is unusual for John, is the Fed ain't going to pivot, not anytime soon. There's just, you know, when you're a kid and you believe the great pumpkin's going to come, like Linus, there's a point where the sun's kind of coming up. The night is almost over, and you still think he might come, but he doesn't come. There isn't a point when you're mature enough to go, he he's not coming. The Great Pumpkin's not coming. The Fed pivot's not coming anytime soon. And these interest rates and they're jacking them up is not just about it's not just about the housing market. This is a headline today out of the UK or yesterday out of the UK. Because they'll actually report news at the Daily Mail. The Federal Reserve tells employers to stop giving pay rises in order to bring inflation down. Warren, wages are raising faster than they have in decades and are almost now two jobs for every person looking for work. Now, you believe this. I don't mean about the wages raising faster than they have in decades. There's a job. There's two jobs for every one job seeker right now. What are those jobs? In the words of Chris Rock scrubbing Lincoln's ball sack at the Lincoln Memorial, anybody remember that movie? It was a pretty good movie, right? What are these jobs that are so available right now? I mean there are some good jobs available, but this two to one ratio, I I'm skeptical that these are jobs that, that you actually want. But it's worse than this. And only one person I could find publicly in print. Because John Pugliano said this exact thing at the workshop, but Dr. Ron Paul, member of our expert council, this is an article he wrote a couple of months ago. The Federal Reserve wants you fired. The Federal Reserve is now officially on record saying we want you fired, or to not get a pay raise. You have the Central Bank of the United States telling all these giant corporations. Don't give your people raises. Well, what if they leave? Well, let them leave. Where are they going to go? Don't worry. We got this. Now, the Federal Reserve's mandate is two big things, a stable currency and a strive for full employment. This is the deal that was made with this devil, that if we gave them control of the monetary system, If we gave them control of the monetary system, they would make sure that everybody could have a job and our currency would be stable. You can talk about the Constitution all you want. They have failed their mandate miserably, decade after decade after decade. And their literal solution to a problem is to destroy employment in a strong employment market, to destroy the housing market in a strong housing market, and to destroy the currency when inflation gets out of hand to create a deflationary curve. You know what they call we want you fired? You can read Ron Paul's article for yourself if you want to. But in a speech, Powell described it as labor softening. Labor softening. See, we just take all your jobs, throw them in a dryer, throw a bounce sheet in there, and turn it on and soften it up. That's code for we don't want the employment market to be so good. We don't want people getting raises. We don't want people. And what is their real target? If you dig deep enough, two to four million people losing their jobs in the next year to year and a half. That's their goal. They want to kill the jobs of two to four million Americans. This is a stated goal. And if they do it perfectly if they demonstrate their extreme efficiency and their extreme perfection in doing things the right way, that we have seen them do for so long, they're so good at what they do. If they get it just right, then we should get a garden variety recession and a somewhat bumpy landing. Do you think they're going to get it right? Do you have confidence in the, the ability of the people that cause the problem to fix the problem? Personally, I don't. So when I look at this, what I see here, guys, is no good news for the economy going forward. None. Not a shred of it. You've got the Federal Reserve intentionally destroying the lives of two to four million Americans. Two to four million. Fuck, you don't have a job anymore. Screw you. Now, wait. Wait. Let's think about this a little bit differently. What do we say when a corporate raider or company goes out and sees this company and says, this company's right for a takeover, man? They're inefficient. They're not adapting quickly enough. But they're not doomed. What we need to do, get the capital together, go in, do a hostile takeover, since they're public, we can offer enough money, buy this company, and they can't say no. Shareholders will roll over once we hit X, a certain strike price per share. They buy this company and employs like 20,000 people. They go in and say, look, you've been losing money for five years. That's why we were able to buy you. And so what we're going to do, we're going to do a reduction in the workforce by 40%. We're going to get rid of 40% of people, cut that down 60%. So what is that? We 40% of 20,000, 8,000 people lose their job. How does that get reported? These evil bastards ruin the lives of 8,000 people. So they got rid of 8,000 people in a failing F company and they're evil for it. They targeted a specific company that played by a specific set of rules that was not able to thrive in the environment that it chose to play in, that probably would have been completely out of business if this hadn't happened in another year or two anyway. And maybe those 60% of people kept their jobs. But these evil, greedy, rich bastards destroyed the lives of 8,000 perfectly innocent people. None of them were incompetent in their jobs. None of them were quietly quitting. You know, maybe it was a spaceman and he went into a place like Twitter and did this. And it's evil and it's horrible. Okay. But these people can manipulate a number on a piece of paper called an interest rate, can print money at will, can expand and contract your entire monetary system whenever they want to. And they can intentionally cause the loss of two to four million jobs. It's all okay. It's the price we pay to live in a civilized society. There's the dollar, the biggest weapon that will ever be used against you in your life by your government and by the oligarchy and by the corporatocracy is not a law. It is a policy. It is dollar policy. The single most powerful leverage tool that any tyrant can have is control of the money supply. This is why old man Rockefeller said, if you give me control of the money, I don't care who writes the laws. And so this is going to be, you know, the moment where I bring Bitcoin into a non-Bitcoin show. It is important that humanity figures out a way to have a monetary system that exists outside of their control and exists outside any other entity's control. It has to be a market driven monetary system that the market allows for self-correction for. Because if anybody has this power, they're they're going to use it. It, One of the ways to look at this is the thing known as the Cantillon effect. And that is simply that when you have a fractional reserve system, money is printed, it is created. And the closer you are to the faucet, the cheaper the money is. And if you're close enough to the faucet, you can get money out of the faucet and pay less for it than you can sell it for. Start thinking about it that way. Imagine it was water. This person over here is going to die of thirst. You are close to the faucet. You can fill up a bucket for a penny, and you can sell him the bucket of water for three cents. You might think, I'm not going to get very rich, but what if you have to sell the water to everybody in the world? And only the people that have the bucket at the faucet can take that bucket to anybody else. And the only source of that water It's from somebody that has a bucket and you don't get a bucket. You get a tub. Your tub qualifies you to have the water dumped from a bucket into the tub. You can't come to the faucet. That's how money works in our system. And even when you have your water, I can turn the faucet up and your water in your tub goes down. That's how money works in the system. And unless you keep your tub in your house, which I might make illegal soon. You have to keep your tub in a reserve storage facility because water is so critical to our society. So water now comes out of your faucet, but you have to pay for it. But if you take too much water at one time, I might say, hey, you're abusing this and shut your supply off. If you say something I don't like, I might shut your supply off. And the person with the bucket can still get the water on the cheap. And you got to figure out a way to buy it from them. And maybe it'll be more expensive for you now. That sounds insane. Who the hell would let a system like that exist for their water supply? Who the hell would let a system like that exist for their monetary system? We have. And we have since at least 1913. But really longer than that. The bankers have been in control of this country. Even during the greenback years, the bankers have really been in this control of this country. Even during the Andrew Jackson years, the bankers have controlled the money in this country since its founding and prior to it. They always have. And that's why this whole gold-silver thing will not work. If it was 1985, I'd be on board with it because it would be less bad. It would be less bad. We cannot have a modern economic system that allows me to do business with you. Okay? between here and Pennsylvania, in using silver and gold without trusting a third party. And this is what we know. You cannot trust a third party, especially a required third party. If you have a system where a third party can make things easier, but I only use you because I like you. I only use you because you do what you say you're going to do. And the minute that you don't, I have another option. Then we can trust a third party because we can trust human incentive. I will do it right because I don't want to lose my customer to somebody else or because they go direct. But if you give someone the ability to print money, if you give somebody the ability to lie about the monetary supply, well, we'll put it on gold and that'll make it controlled. They can't lie. You trust the government and the banks? We'll audit them. Oh, you trust the auditors? Who do you think is going to audit Bill? Bill's nephew. Right. You can't. And so I encourage you to learn more about Bitcoin. I won't go deep into it, but I'll also let you know I put out an article. So for those that haven't been paying attention to um what's been going on in the crypto space. There's a major exchange called FTX. And I won't get into it. I'll just say that, you know. Like all of these scam things with all leverage and you're going to, you know, you're going to stake your your crypto and you're going to, you know, beat, you're going to earn a yield and whatever and yield farm, whatever. Like always, it fell apart. And how bad was it? They were supposed to have something like thirty six billion, forty billion in reserves. And that's like all your money sitting in their crypto bank. Various cryptos too, shit coins and Bitcoin inside their their exchange. Right? So you go to the exchange, you buy and you sell, and you hold. And people like me say, get your money off the exchanges. Now, self-custody. And when it all fell apart, it didn't turn out that they had like 20% less reserves than they said or 40%. They literally had no reserves. There was no – everything was fake. All of it was fake. And now this is causing people – To shit their literal pants and come to me and go, Jack, I know you said to get my money off the exchange. You know, sit on Coinbase or Gemini or something like that. But I'm and what it comes down to is people are afraid. I authored this article. It took me two days to write this. The basics of Bitcoin self-custody. It tells you exactly what to do. It breaks it down into three standards a gold, a silver and a bronze standard. They're all better. They're all a form of self custody. The easiest one is the bronze standard. That's using a software wallet like Exodus and nothing more. And I tell you how to do that safely and how to mitigate the risks. I tell you how to move to using a hardware wallet and what it does and doesn't do for you. I tell you how to, to do your own backup before you put too much money in a wallet. So you know how to do it and you know that it works. And I tell you even a little bit about why you might want to take the extra step of running your own node. And I say that most people are not going to run their own node. And I'm okay with that. I did not write this article for people who think like me, who know what I know. I didn't write this article. I said right at the beginning of this article that I didn't write it for the purpose of mental masturbation. So you could be like, I did all those things. I am a gold standard. I wrote it for a person who's sitting there looking at several thousand to 10,000 or tens of thousands of dollars in Bitcoin, sitting on the exchange, and they're like, okay, I get it now. How do I take control of my own Bitcoin? If you're not gonna hold your own keys, there's no point to owning Bitcoin. You might as well not. You don't own, if you don't have a backup phrase, not an alternate password, a backup phrase, a 12-word phrase, a seed phrase, for your Bitcoin, you have a claim on Bitcoin. You do not have Bitcoin. The entire point of Bitcoin is I can take it into custody. I can delete my wallets. It can be on a hardware wallet. You could throw it in the fire and go, I destroyed Jack's Bitcoin. As long as I know those 12 words or have them marked down or written down anywhere, I can bring it back. There's a thing called multi-sig where you need two set two keys. You can do that too if you want to, but let's keep it simple. You can never take it away. You can even say, we know you have it. Great. Well, we're going to seize it. We'll go ahead. This is the monetary instrument that people are turning to more and more as they learn. And I'll tell you the number one way you become a Bitcoiner. It's not learning about Bitcoin. It's not learning about Bitcoin. People that come into Bitcoin that start with Bitcoin. They come in always. And I'll admit I did it back in 2013 myself. Number go up, me get rich. Nothing wrong with human incentive. That's a big part of what brings people to it. But if you really want to convince yourself that this is something that you should be doing, then what you start with, and this will shock many and not others, you start with the existing monetary system. If you learn exactly how dollar creation happens, what the fiat standard is, how everything I told you today is true and worse, when you realise that a small number of assholes can change a number on a page and take away two, four million jobs if they do it right, and when they screw it up, and more often they screw it up than they don't, that they can cost six, eight, ten million people their jobs. And they have no consequence for being wrong. And no matter what they do, they become wealthier. Then you say, this economic system is a fraud and a lie. And then you'll seek an economic system that's truth. And then if you take pragmatism and say, but I have to be able to do business with Jack and Bill and Tom and Dennis on the other side of it. Then you'll realize This hard money that we think of in the form of metals doesn't work in an age of computers and networks and infrastructure and interstate and international business without a third party. And now, you know, you can't trust the third party. So then you come to the world of Bitcoin and crypto. And I won't shit on anybody who's still in the crypto space. Man, we always got to get the porn spammers right about an hour and 10 minutes in, don't we? Block user, he's gone, y'all. Anyway, um, so you get into that space. And if you start really investigating from there, you'll realize if your crypto has a CEO, it's not decentralized. If a small group of people or one can change the monetary policy on your crypto, it's you've recreated fiat. And I, I would say there's probably a few, well, another one, All right, another porn spammer, block user. So then you'll find that like maybe there's one or two that are kind of sort of like probably decentralized for real. And the harder you tug on it, the more you'll realize, well, I have doubts that it's fully decentralized. Because, again, if there's a place that as a government I can send a cease and desist order to. And they can shut it off or change it or do something differently because I said so. It's not decentralized. And then when you fully understand how the Bitcoin network works, you go, wait a minute. You can send all the cease and desist orders you want. You can shut down every Bitcoin mining farm in the state of New York. Bitcoin doesn't care. You can shut down every Bitcoin mining farm in the United States. And Bitcoin will self-heal. You can say you're not allowed to have it, but you can't take it away from anybody. You can say you're not allowed to transact in it, but you can't prevent it from being transferred from one party to another. You can say there needs to be more, and you can't do it. You can say there needs to be less, and you can't do it. You can say that we need to produce the total amount faster, and you can't do it. You can invest a trillion dollars of stolen money and set up your own mining farm, and no more than was going to come out anyway will come out. You might get it, but if you hoard it, all you do is make it all worth more money. And if you release it, then it just goes back to the way it was anyway. When you realize this, you start to realize there's not a lot of alternatives. And more people every day are waking up to this. So if you've never bought a penny worth of Bitcoin before, I said this last week, there will never be a time better than right now to get involved. Everybody contacts me. Everybody wants to buy when it's going up, 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 up. It goes down. Everybody gets scared and runs away. This is an inverse logic. This is buy high, sell low logic. Remember, everybody that sells their Bitcoin right now, you know who you're selling it to? Somebody like me. I buy a lot harder the lower it goes. I still think we're not at an all-time low, or not the the current cycle low yet. Don't care. Bought some Bitcoin yesterday, because Fold lets you buy Bitcoin now. I bought 50 bucks just for the hell of it. Whatever, fine. See how it works. I will never... Stop buying. But we're in these troughs. This is where you mint your future. And if you are holding Bitcoin on an exchange and you've been listening to me long term, I hate to put it this way, you almost deserve to lose your Bitcoin at this point. You've been told over and over and over. I said almost, not you do. You almost deserve to lose it because how many times can somebody tell you? So I wrote this article to take away all your excuses. I wrote this article. So if nothing else, you'll at least get a software wallet. You'll install it. I'm probably going to read the article as a short episode of Bitcoin Breakout, like an extra one, not a Tuesday one, like one I'll just do audio only on. And I'll do some asides and some other things that you can still do. No, I don't still like the Jack's Liberty wallet because they don't update it anymore and they don't have any support. I, I've not recommended Jax since 2019, I think. I've recommended Exodus. It's not the best software wallet out there. I recommend it for two reasons. If you don't know what you're doing, I don't want to be your technical support. And Exodus has fantastic technical support. And many of you have chosen to continue to hold alternative cryptocurrencies. Right. And since I recommended certain ones over the years. And told you when I got out of them. If you still want to do that, I'm not going to crap on you. I'm not going to crap on you doing something a day that I did three years ago. That wouldn't be right. So I want to recommend a product with good support. And I want to recommend a product that will hold anything that you want to hold. And I would tell you, if it's not an exodus, unless it's like a privacy coin, you probably don't want to be holding it. You probably don't want to touch it because it holds almost everything. So that's why I recommend that. Whatever you want to use, you use. But get the money off the exchange, get your money off the exchange. Get your money off the exchange. Michael <laughs> says, "How do you buy Bitcoin with Fold?" Now, if you are a Fold like special person, you should have already have it showed up. And I think they just rolled it out for anybody that has Fold Plus. So if you have a the Fold Plus credit card, the better one, it should be already available. You'll know when it's available when you open your Fold app and you see a, a you see an orange B at the bottom corner. You hit that, you buy it right from your balance. They do, they're not an exchange though. I think they're, they're kind of sitting there like strike and staying in a legal loophole. You can buy it, you can withdraw it, but you can't sell it back through there. So it's a one way process, which I like. All right. So let's wrap things up guys. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you did, please consider supporting us. You can do that by doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. Today's item of the day, I have it up on the screen for those of you in the chat. Pretty simple looking little thing. Looks like a plug. Plug one into an outlet, you get two, two, two power outlets instead of one. It's a splitter. It sort of is. It's so much more. This is the ThermoCube. It comes in a lot of, let's call them flavors or temperature gradients. This is the most commonly used one in the prepper space. It's for dealing with the cold, you know, like comes every winter, like it's heading right now. What this does is you plug this into an outlet, and inside it is a mercury switch. Yeah, a mercury switch, you know, like those bombs and lethal weapon, and all, same pro, same concept. So that mercury switch, when the temperature gets to 35 degrees Fahrenheit, it turns a switch on that basically says provide power to the female outlets. Did I offend a snowflake? Yes, those are female outlets. Provide power to the female outlets from the male outlet plugged into the other female outlet where the power comes from. Turn it on, and it stays on. And as it gets warmer and warmer and warmer, when it gets up to 45 degrees, it says, kill the power. And if it drops to 43, it doesn't come back on. It has to go all the way back to 35, comes back on, stays on to 45. So it's 35 to 45 degrees. When it hits 35 on the downside, stays on until 45 on the upside, keeps cycling. Why do you want to do this? Lots of reasons. But here's one reason I have them. I have a well. And it, it, I don't keep it in my house. It's outside. It's in a little well house. I don't heat my well house all the time. I really don't need it to be nice and warm in there. That would just attract more rats, honestly. So what I want is I don't want it to freeze in there. So there's two outlets. I have two light fixtures and two light bulbs and a thermocube. And when the temperature goes below 35, those two lights come on in my well house, and that's enough heat, and my well won't freeze up. And when it gets above 45, I'm not going to like start a fire in there or something. It shuts off and it won't come back on until it goes back below 35. So it never freezes up, never overheats. 15 bucks. And I can't forget. Oh, it's going to freeze tonight. Turn the lights on in the light in the oil house. Uh, Dennis says great for chicken coops. Exactly. I have, here's another example of what I've done with it. I've got a little space heater. Think about this big, uh, 800 watts and if you set it to the settings you want on it, you, when you plug it in, it just starts. And when you unplug it, it just stops. So I put one of the, those in a small greenhouse. And then that way, I'm not spending the, the good Lord's fortune to heat my greenhouse. I'm just keeping it warm in there so that it doesn't freeze. And once it's 45, sun comes up next morning, whatever, it shuts off. And I can't forget. There's tons of things that you can do with it. And Donnie says, two lamps plugged in, uh, one will do the job, two in case one fails. That's exactly why I have two in my well house, because a light bulb will go out. So I go out uh, once a week in the wintertime. It's on my schedule. I check the two light bulbs. If one's dead, I replace it. But if it happens at 3 o'clock in the morning when it goes down to 21 degrees, it's still warm enough in there that my pump doesn't freeze. So you can find this at tspaz.com. You can find my write-up on it. You can find some other cool stuff. I actually wanted to show you a couple other cool things today that are in the write-up. One, these are very cool. This is a watertight cord lock device. You're going to have to look up the video if you want to see it, if you're listening to the audio only. This does not go over the Thermocube. It obviously wouldn't fit. The Thermocube goes into the outlet. This would go where the device plugs into, let's say, the extension cord that's plugged into the Thermocube. And that's out in the open, and it could get wet and cause a short and trip a GFI, and now nothing works, and now you're sad and you're angry and you're mad. These things are 10 bucks. They lock around that where the extension cord and the device plug go together, and it keeps them nice and dry, and you don't pop your GFI. Cool, huh? Here's another thing. Have you ever needed just a little bit longer cord? Just a little bit? Like, you, you, you didn't really... Need to go and get a 10 or a 20 or a 50 foot extension cord. You need it like a foot. Do you know they make one foot extension cords? You can buy them in a five or a six pack. And one of the really cool things that they can do for you, you are seeing right here. Here's a power strip. I have these under my desk right now. You plug all your computer shit in. And it all comes with these big honking transformer adapters, right? DC AC adapters. And you plug one in and it takes up three spaces. So you take one of these little extension cords, foot long, you plug your adapter. And then that way you can use all the ports on your freaking adapter. Isn't that cool? Well, if you're doing something with a thermocube and maybe you need a little bit more and anywhere you need a little bit more length, by the way, these things are freaking awesome. Um, I mean, I, I love them. We have a variety of uh, kitchen appliances, for instance, right? And my sous vide, My canner and my crock pot all have cords about three foot long. And they all, for my island and where I have my outlets, should be about four foot long. So they're so cheap, I just put one on all my appliances, and we'll just leave it on. We put them away with it, on. all of a sudden, the cord's foot longer. Lots of cool stuff in today's write-up. Remember, you can help us out no matter what you buy. If you start your shopping at tspaz.com. If you're not a member of the MSB yet, please consider becoming a member. Just go to the thesurvivalpodcast.com and click on members to learn more. When you do that, you can see all of the discounts that you get, and you can sign up. It's really easy. I do take cryptocurrency, and I'll take any cryptocurrency, even though I'm a Bitcoin-only guy now. You just be sending it to my exchange. But you'll see all the companies here that do discounts. You use these discounts. You get your money back and I'll, I'll tell you that I have in the plans for this winter to update this list. There's, there's names on this list that need to come off and names to go on, but there's plenty of discounts for you. Comes out at 20 cents an episode. Credit card, you can pay by mail. You can pay with silver or you can pay with the cryptocurrency of your choice. It's a bit of a two part process. I want to say one more thing though about cryptocurrency and specifically Bitcoin versus silver and gold. I have accepted silver, as you can see right here, for my membership program since I launched it. I launched my membership program back in 2009. I'd been doing this about a year when I said, hey, i got to monetize it. So I asked my membership program. I started taking silver immediately. In the beginning, I would get two or three orders a week where somebody would mail silver to my house or my office as the show built and I started getting a lot more members and there were more and more people listening, I started getting five to 10 orders a week for silver at the peak of silver orders. And then I discovered Bitcoin. I started taking cryptocurrency and the cryptocurrency orders started coming up and the silver orders started going down. Next thing I'm getting an order a week in silver. By the time we moved here in 2013, I was getting two to three still a week. By 2015, I was getting one a week. By 2016, I was getting one a month. Last year, the whole year, so this year really, right? The whole year of 2022, yeah, there's a month and a half left in it. We've gotten two orders for silver. And now I get five, six, seven orders a week in Bitcoin. Accepted or don't. But this is what I'll leave you with. What it makes me think of, is back when I was kind of coming up in the professional space, I remember walking around malls. remember when people went to malls with my family. And a guy would be in front of a Radio Shack with a cell phone, trying to sell me a cell phone. And I'm like, look, I got a pager and I don't want it. My work makes me have it. I don't ever want a cell phone. It's too disruptive. It'll annoy me. People will call me that I don't want to talk to. A year later, I got a cell phone because my work made me have, like, you're going to have a cell phone. Okay, I'm going to have a cell phone. I hated the phone so much. When I got my first pager, this is before I even met Dorothy. I had an apartment by myself. I When I got a pager and I realized there was a pay phone 15 steps out to my back deck, I canceled my home phone. I didn't even have a phone at my house. It's like I used to buy an apartment. There's a pay phone right there. It was a quarter. I'll use the pay phone. If it's an emergency, put 911 on a page. That's how much I love the phone. And there were a lot of people like me. The phone is now a computer with which you run your life. The phone, once it got attached to the Internet, became a tool so valuable to people that everybody has one today. Bitcoin is the Internet of money. It's 1996, and you think you're late in the game. It's up to you guys. With that, I'll be back tomorrow with an expert council QA show. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Take care, guys. They pull yourself up. They keep bringing you down. Are they going to bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way